Hi, it's Cindy. Quick content warning for today's episode and movie. We're watching Stephen King's The Mist, and as is true in many Stephen King movies and books, we do have the death of a child, although it's not seen on screen. It's a kind of pivotal part. Be warned. Welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast, the podcast where Josh... Hi, me. That's him. Tries to scare me through the cinema. It's June. The greatest art of all arts. June or cinema? Uh, fuck June. June. Other than Father's Day and one of my brother's birthdays. Uh, I really don't have anything. In, I don't have a father. So, I mean, and I'm divorced from the boy's father. So, I got nothing going not on. Have, I got your dad. You may not have a father, Cindy. Mm-hmm. But you got a daddy. <laughs> Gross. Okay. Uh, Since you've been gone. So, it's June. Um, This month... Boop, boop, boop. Father's Day month, Father's right? Father's Day month. So we're doing Father's Day movies. Last week. We watched... <gasps> Frailty. <sighs> and it was uh, a lot more of an emotional strain on Cindy than I thought it would That's be. It's all right. Listen to that episode for hearing me... Hearing uh, a tale of what it's like to be the town crazy's daughter. Yeah. And watch a movie about the town crazy. And hear a funny story about Cindy's mom <laughs> at the end of the movie. Okay. What are we watching this week, babe? So I had planned these movies out. And originally this was the movie I was going to end the month with because it was going to flow into... July. Uh, July with what we're doing in July. But I'm going to go ahead and do it now for the simple fact... Uh, I don't want to go out on this note, and I don't want to do two mm-hmm. specific movies back to back. And there's a very specific movie I want to do. Okay. The Father's Day, day like week proper. So what are we watching? So we're gonna dun, dun, pull dun. out the Stephen King box once more. <sighs> All right, what are we watching? Dive deep into inside. the world of. I know someone out there is like. The Shining. And it's not The Shining. It's no. The Mist. The Mist. Okay. I've never seen, I have seen The Shining. I have not seen The Mist. The Mist. The Mist is good. Um, I don't know if you'll like it, but... Oh, great. Let's see. Uh, okay, when did this come out? This is, is this older? This is like in the 80s? No, this movie was released November 21st, 2007. I was way off. Yeah. I was a mom of a two-year-old. We had just moved to West Virginia. This was my first year teaching in West Virginia, 2007. Uh, I was living in Huntington, and I want to say I was still working at Client Logic, and I was a drunk. Yay. Actually, I knew for a fact I was still working at Client Logic. I was a mom, and I was living in an attic. Yay. Oh, drunk is probably how other people saw I was having a good time partying it out daily in 2007 nice with my boys nice not Uh, my best year yeah this movie is two hours and six minutes long whoa okay it is rated r 
So okay. And put them kids to bed. Well, it's a Stephen King. So it's based on a Stephen King. Is it based on a Stephen King book or short story? Novella. Novella. Oh, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in the middle. Somewhere uh, in the middle. It's a cigarillo. It is written and directed by Frank Darabont. Who is that? He uh, directed The Green Mile and Shawshank Redemption. And he's the guy who created the original Walking Dead and then left, I think, in the second season. So is he a Stephen King pick? That's all Stephen um, King stuff. He is, like, the go-to for Stephen That's King. what I mean. Like, are they yeah. friends or have they just developed a good working relationship? They have a good working or... relationship. I think the only person who has worked more with King in my... And this is just me saying this off the top of my head. is got to be um, mm-hmm. Nick Garris. Who's done a shitload Garris? Nick Garris. Mick. Like, ton. Like Mick Foley. Ton, ton, ton of Stephen King stuff. But I think all of the high profile, like, when we think of... I mean, what is the one Stephen King movie that you think of as being, like, a fucking great movie is Shawshank. Mm-hmm. Right? Most people are like, Shawshank's pretty great. But pretty nobody terrible. thinks of it as a Stephen King movie, though. Yeah. They forget that it was, you know... So Darabont only ever went into Stephen King horror once, even though he made three Stephen King movies. Gotcha. Um... I'm a little creaky. That's my arthritis, I guess. So, uh, he also, Frank Darabont, wrote Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, which is amazing, and The Blob remake for Chuck Russell, who would go on to direct, um, oh, The Mask with Jim Carrey. Well, that's a good movie, the first one. Chuck Russell. Who else associated with this movie, Josh? Uh, This movie stars Tom Jane. No idea. Yeah, Thomas Jane. Uh, he, wait. Uh, David Drayton, he played, he was in Deep Blue Sea. He was in The Punisher with John Travolta. I've seen both of those uh, movies. He's in Boogie Nights. I've seen three of those movies. He has a weird connection to West Virginia in the fact that I think both of his brothers went to WVU. When I see him, I'll know him. Show up at, on campus. Uh, <laughs> so he's in this movie and he's awesome. Also, also, Marsha Gay Harden. I know her. She plays Mrs. Carmody. Mrs. And she's Carmody. She's Mystic River and Pollock and mm-hmm. other things that are great. <laughs> uh, and then we get into Andre Brower. Who is that? Who, uh, I'm sorry, is Andre a male or female? Uh, he's a man. Okay. Uh, Brent Norton is the character name. So I know him from my childhood as he was one of the detectives on Homicide Life on the Streets to. Not for me. of y'all younger people out there, mm-hmm. he's Captain Holt on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, I know who that is then. Yay! Yeah. Uh, this movie also says Toby Jones is Ollie Weeks. He was in The Hunger Games. He's in the first two Captain America movies. And Lori Holden, who's Amanda Dunfree, and she was in The Walking Dead and The Americans. Um, I will say, Cindy, before we get into talking mm-hmm. about this movie and yes. teeing it up, Stephen King said... He was genuinely frightened by this adaptation. Oh, God of his damn work. it. Like, it scared him. Um, and it's cool. the third King film Darabont directed. It was, he did Shawshank, then The Green Mile, then this. Um, also, Walking Dead fans, I'm assuming there's still some of y'all out there. Oh, yeah. Um, Jeffrey DeMunn, Melissa McBride, Lori Holden, Juan Gabriel Paraha, uh, Sherry Dvorak, Sam Witwer, and Tiffany Morgan. All are in this movie and would go on to be in The Walking Dead in some fairly large capacity. Oh, wow. That's kind of cool. So when 
it came time for Darabont to start The Walking Dead up. He basically he just pulled people from this cast. Everyone he knew from this movie that like working with. Oh, cool! And he was they must have been gotten along really well. Like you know the main character, um, Rick Grimes or whatever, the sheriff who wakes up and is in zombie world. Yeah, that, he was going to use Tom Jane for that, but it didn't for work whatever out. Reason it didn't really work out. So he was literally going to pull almost all this cast. That's kind of nice. Walking Dead. Um, yeah. Okay. So, I was in Huntington, and I was drinking and partying. You were back to West Virginia with a child. Mm-hmm. Two wasn't my best year. So, where was the world 2007? Oh, gosh. I really have no memory outside of that move. Uh, Nancy Pelosi is elected as the first female Speaker of the House in 2007. Okay. The very first iPhone was introduced in 2007. Yeah, that checks out. Mm-hmm. So I had a razor. Uh, Big Bang Theory debuts. Yeah. At age 81 and 244 days old, Elizabeth II became the oldest reigning British monarch. She's still on it, and she's still on it today, 13 yeah. years later. Uh, oh, you know what? In 2007, I had just started college at West Virginia State, went back to college to get my degree, and I know that because... In You're still paying off. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll be paying off to him in the next lifetime. Um, but in 2007, I got a phone call on campus mm-hmm. where a friend of mine was like, yo, Chris Benoit murdered his family. Oh, God. And that was in 2007. Was so that person Jason Jones? I had just started college. Uh, I think it was my friend Caleb Adams, actually. Jason. So. He didn't get to be the first to tell you. Uh, so people. <laughs> Were you the first to tell him? Long-time listeners know that Josh and his best, best, best friend, uh, big deal, horror movie and wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, people that died in 2007, Cindy. Chris Benoit's family. Yeah. Chris Benoit and his family. Uh, whatever. Uh, Kurt Vonnegut, Boris Yeltsin, and Michael Jackson. I also remember wow. where I was when Michael Jackson died. Where? I was standing in the living room of... The children's shelter that I worked in at the time when I was going to school. Mm -hmm. And it was playing on TV and they were talking about his death. And I remember being like, this is a big deal. Like, Michael Jackson was huge. Yeah. I'm trying to remember where I was. I don't remember. I don't remember at all. I'm like, I remember. It really was a huge deal. But again, I was a new mom who had just. Yeah. You know. I'll be honest with you, like, I can't remember where I was when I found out Prince died, but I can remember where I was when I found out Michael Jackson died. I know where I was when Prince died. I was driving a car. I almost had to pull over. It was crazy. It's on uh, my way to work. New words of 2000. New words. Okay, what we got? Hashtag. Yep, you use it all the time. We use it uh, talking about this podcast. So there you go. That's a little bit of before trivia 2007 trivia. Uh, it is now time. This is the segment of the podcast where Josh shows me an original theatrical poster from this film. And I try to discern meaning. Now, I'm going to be fair. Uh, Here's what I know. It looks like a man looking out of a gymnasium window. Fear changes everything. Here's what I'll say. I I know the basic gist of the mist. I think. Here's what I'll say. It's a man inside a gymnasium who looks out at the, the broader world. My my son's father was a big Stephen King guy. That was that that was. I don't know if it still is his thing. Um, 
I know that it's about a mist that brings either death or brings like creatures with it that kill you or something, but like it kind of comes and it goes and you, there's no, like, that's all I know. Okay. Uh, I'm excited to watch this, but I'm even more excited to talk about this. Okay. Because I can't say anything now, but this movie plays into a horror trope and theme that I love. And every time it gets used, I'm like, yeah, sounds about right. Okay. And and, uh, I'm actually looking forward to that. Um, Um, hmm. Okay. Okay. That being said, before we do this, a couple things. couple things. One. One. Some of the effects in this movie are... <laughs> like it's CG when it should have been CG at times. They should have just been practical. Doesn't look super great. Uh, I will say there are two different versions of this movie, and I will. Okay, so this movie got made in color. Okay. And Frank Darabont's whole thing was like, I wanted to do it in black and white, and they wouldn't let me. So he, after the fact, when it was all said and done, took the applied a filter. Film, Pulled out all the color to make it black and white, which doesn't quite look as good than when you actually shoot for black and white. Mm-hmm. But um, it's his preferred cut. And if I can find the black and white version, we'll do that. That's what we'll watch. If not, it'll be the color version. And I will put a disclaimer here or at the beginning of the episode. Oh, what do we got for some triggers? That will talk about which version of the movie we watch. I will say that this movie, I don't want to give away too much of the plot, but this movie is very profoundly disturbing. Um, some people might consider it very bleak at times. Okay. And I'm trying to remember, we'll add to this after if there's other things I don't remember, like, you know, I'm like, there's no dogs that die. And the, the first thing he opened, it was like a dog getting shot in the head, which it, it's not. But oh, God. Okay. If, that were, if that were to happen, I would be like, oh my gosh. I would come back and be like, oh, guys, fuck, I forgot. Um, but <laughs> Cindy won't stop crying. Uh, there are children in this movie, and those children are in peril, and one of them is going to die. Okay. Uh, and it's going to be pretty fucked up. But. Okay. So, there's that. Okay. This is a fucking horror movie, man. Like, this is a nightmare scenario for me. Um, okay. But, you know you know me. That's what I live for. Okay. <laughs> I'm worried. This All falls, right. This falls into the category of movies we were talking about earlier, right? We were talking earlier about movies that I love... But would not want to live in that world at all. <laughs> this is one of those worlds. Like I, so we were, I was watching a there. break earlier. So as, alert. as he does. Amazing movie. Um, and I was like, this is a movie that I love and I would also like to live in the world. And you were like, oh, like, what would, like, we were talking about that. And I was like, yeah, like, I love the movie Alien. But I don't want to live in that world. world. Right. Or Blade Runner. Or this. Or this. So. All right. Well, here we go. We're going to look and try and find the black and white version. Otherwise, we'll be watching the color version. And we will let all of y'all know. Y'all know. Y'all mean. (laughs) All right. Here we go. Join us, won't you? Mind the doors.
is so bad. You just got it. Come, come on. Whoa. Having spoken, the doomsayer departs. Come on. <laughs> Why don't you get Billy dressed? I'll take him into town with him. Hit the store before it gets all bought out. How'd you folks hold up in the storm? Big insurance day. Sorry to hear that. is to seek rescue. Tie this around your waist. Or four. It'll let us know you got at least 300 feet. There's nothing out there. Nothing in the midst. What if you're wrong? Then I guess that joke would be on me. Take sides. Read the good book. It calls for blood. Guys, I hear something. Those bugs? Not like any I've ever seen. Blood. The entire front of this store is plain glass. They wanted to try and make a window. Well, maybe your window turned out to be a door. Ah! Lucy's gonna sacrifice to make it all better. We want the board. You try it. Kill Welcome back, dudes and deuterinos. We have watched The Mist. <laughs> I don't know. I got nothing for that super one. Super fucking depressed. Oh, my gosh. That movie stopped me in my tracks at the end. Holy crap. Like, I could see what was coming as far as the decision that would have to be made, right? But I was not expecting the, the end end. Like, the National Guard coming in and saving the day after, like immediately after he kills everyone. Well, it's probably weird if he didn't watch it, but again, if he didn't watch, you, yeah, why are why you listening you listen to our podcast? Watch it, but um, the ending of this movie is Stephen King prefers it to the ending of his short story. So the does it's the short story end? Ambiguous. He debates it, but um, if I remember correctly, he doesn't. He doesn't. They just kill kind of leave him? him with like being like, "There's so many of us, and we're one bullet shy," and. Oh. I, I, what if I have to do what I have to do and I, I it doesn't actually go through with it but boy oh boy I mean you could just if he was holding his son chest to chest and somebody shot through them like that would kill them both right I immediately thought I guess, of no? the scene in Skyfall where the bad guy tries to put his head next to M so he could shoot himself in the head and kill her at the same time yeah um, I've never seen that but it is so. what it is but <laughs> To steer, to steer the ship back on course for a minute, Cindy, I think you are going to explain to the dear listeners... What this movie was about? Yeah. Okay, so the movie is about 
Um, very much like Parana, if you are a fan of our first season. Or, or as uh, characters in that movie, especially one pronounced it, Piranha. Piranha. Um, so there is a an accident at, not a plant, it's an accident at a base that accidentally opens up a portal to monsters. But all of that is off screen. Yeah, no, you don't see anything. All you like, the audience and what we see is a mist comes through the town, and anybody who walks out in the mist ends up getting murdered. Um, about halfway through, you see the monsters, but before then, you just think they're just they disappear. And it's about a group of people that are trapped in a grocery store with the monsters on the outside, and kind of how society how quickly it breaks down into blaming versus trying to solve the problem versus what happens does that make sense is that how yeah and then with a stellar ending that is hella depressing yeah okay what does imdb say Uh, (laughs) the imdb plot synopsis for this film is a freak storm unleashes a species of bloodthirsty creatures on a small town where a number a small band of citizens hold up in a supermarket fuck Try that again. A freak storm unleashes a species of bloodthirsty creatures on a small town where a small band of citizens hole up in a supermarket and fight for their lives. But it wasn't a storm. Don't they explain that it was like a portal that they accidentally opened up? That's a Yeah, they mentioned that. Or is that like a spoiler? From if they put our that that? perspective in this movie, they essentially, um, David Drayton, the uh, Thomas Jane character, mm-hmm. there's a storm. He's got, he's like an artist. He's doing, it's actually... The artwork is Drew Struzan's artwork, who did the poster for this movie, and and, and almost every famous poster that you Stephen like. Stephen King fans would know that um, it's a callback. He, he's doing the Man in the Dark Tower. Yeah. So, I forget what his name is. I am only Roland. Stephen King adjacent. Roland? Yeah, but right. it's Roland opening the door. Yeah. Uh, and there's also the, the poster for John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah, it's that was there. Nod. To let you know you that, that this out is going to get Lovecraftian as fuck. And I then, did not know that was what that meant, um, but okay. Tom Jane and his son go to the store with their neighbor, who they've had property disputes Played with, by... Andre Brower. The uh, chief from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, as we mentioned. Yeah. But it was still like, oh, look! He's like his cat Okay. And they end up in the grocery store, and then the mist rolls through, and... And shit goes movie, down. And this movie essentially starts asking you... What's worse, how the monsters out there, like or these the Lovecraftian nightmares of like these insanely, like the one that walks past them when they're in the car at the end is gigantic. Mm-hmm. But then there's also. It almost looks like from Star Wars, the walking things, they have to like, you have to tie their legs together and fall over. Yeah, okay. That is. Yeah. That's what it reminded me of, um, like that, that size perspective. And the thing is, you have to pair like the monsters from another dimension that are terrorizing your town and eating people versus the monsters people become whenever society starts to break down. And that's exactly, like, you have a, a crazy religious woman who is the end times and, you know, these people are being hurt because they deserve to be sort of a thing. And that's played by... I like, She's super Harden. familiar. Yeah, Marsha Gay Harden. Um, and then you have, let's see... Uh, the people who are actually to blame, the soldiers, end up completing suicide. 
like well that they're like oh fuck we did this there are three soldiers yes right? uh, four if you count the military police officer that's killed by the spiders in the in the uh, I do not count that uh, pharmacy so because he was the one that was strung up by the spiders in the pharmacy they found that dead body mm-hmm. he was the MP so out of the three soldiers that were in the grocery store two of them commit suicide right and then one is murdered by the gang like by oh, Mrs. Yeah, they Carmody's ter- they, tear him apart. they stab him to death mm-hmm because and, well, actually, no. They stab him, and then they throw him outside to get eaten, and he gets eaten by a giant monster outside. Is how he dies. Oh, I'm glad I had forgotten that. Because Thanks they're for bringing that back to me. Her whole thing is she's super like Old Testament religious, mm-hmm. and she's like this. Is she's God like the lady us. who leaves the little um, one color brochures on the back of public toilets. Yeah, <laughs> like, have you been saved? Her whole thing is she thinks that this is a punishment by God. And only by offering God a blood sacrifice. Yeah. That it'll will, be appeased, yeah, I guess. And not even, like, make the monsters go away. Just, like, allow the other ones to just live in peace in the new hellscape that mm-hmm. they're living in. And the thing is, she's shitty. And she's clearly the villain of this movie. But. But. I guarantee you, if you were trapped in a situation... You would have at least one of those with you. Oh, for this sure. This country is full of people like We're that. We're seeing that now more than ever with this whole orange oligarch nonsense. Um, okay, so there's a lot that there's a lot that it's kind of in this movie as far as um, there's a lot of layers to it. Yeah. Uh, there's. Do you want Do you want to talk about the layers for a second, or do you want Do we want to? I mean, okay, I think. There's a layer that this movie just works as a sci-fi, Lovecraft-type yeah. horror movie. This is a movie that even I could see, this the little hidden symbolism. So, yeah, I mean, it is just like a, a, a monster movie. Uh, you can definitely take it as, oh, there's been an explosion at the base, and now these monsters are loose. Ah! And then the army has to come clean up their own mess, I think right? this is a really good movie, but I also think that this is not an entertaining movie. This is not a movie that you're like, let's, let's just keep, let's watch it again tomorrow. Like, it's just not the kind of movie. Well, no. I could watch it again tomorrow, but well, I, I get where most people can't I would, watch yeah. downbeat ending stuff over and over and over again. And but, then, right. So then, the, you know, the army has to kind of come clean up their mess and has the most horrific ending where a father has to choose between, I, I, I want to say his own life and his son's life, but it's not that because it's almost like, based on what, based on the evidence they have at the time, killing his son is the merciful thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. Quick death versus being torn apart by giant bugs, which is what has happened to everybody they have seen. Yeah. Uh, but so the ending of this movie uh, is essentially. Mrs. Carmody tries to have uh, the the blonde-haired lady that I'm trying to remember her name. The older Lori lady? Holden, who mm-hmm. plays Amanda, and Tom Jane's son given to the monsters. Like, they're going to sacrifice them as, like, a blood yeah. sacrifice. And that turns into a whole thing, and they escape, and they escape in Tom Jane's car, and they travel south as far as they can go mm-hmm. until they run until out of gas. Until they run out of gas. So they're sitting on the side of the road, they're out of gas, there's monsters around them, and... The kid is oblivious to what's going on, but there are 
There's the old lady. There are uh, basically there's six people in the no. There's five. Five people in the car and only four bullets. Four bullets. Four bullets. Yeah. And all the adults kind of realize once they get to the end of the like they can still see the monsters. They can still hear the monsters as they were driving. They saw all the carnage and what like they were literally being chased by and things like that. And so once they run out of gas, um, and Thomas pulls out the gun. They all are kind of looking at each other. Like, they realize, okay, there's not enough here for all of us. Who does what? You you know, and then the camera pulls away, and you just see the car, and you hear the four gunshots go off. And then Thomas gets out of the car. (laughs) What's his name? David in the movie. David in the movie. David gets out of the car, and you see the monsters, and you're like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And then... Like Superman shows up. Yep, the U.S. military shows up and kills all the monsters, and he just has to sit there with like the fact that he just killed his son and everybody he knows is dead, and he he killed a lot of people. But oh, it's fine now. We're gonna take care of it. It's fine. If he would have waited five more minutes, five minutes. And we're going to talk about the layers of this movie and kind of some of the stuff going on in it, but I think that is the key to this movie. I think this movie makes a really good bookend with uh, Frank Darabont's other film, where everyone considers his masterpiece. Would I Shawshank consider Redemption? Oh, that yes, I would consider that his masterpiece. Wow. So, and there are two movies about the same thing, but they come at it from different angles. Okay, what do- both about hope. Right? Okay. So I would agree. The characters in the Shawshank Redemption, no matter how bad things get, they never give up hope. Mm-hmm. At one point, they contemplate suicide. Everything goes sideways, but they never give up. Until and, they're released. <laughs> and at the end of the movie, like, well, Tim Robbins doesn't get released. He escapes. No, I know. I'm not talking out. about Red, but go ahead. Uh, but yeah, Morgan Freeman is let out, and then they're reunited, and it ends on like a positive note because they didn't give up the faith. They right. didn't give up hope right mm-hmm. he he even talks about how he came close he saw look up at the beam where i forget what I would, the, the um, old guy um yeah that's who i was thinking about red the old man yeah where he sees the beam where he hanged himself and he's like oh i'm gonna end up doing that if i stay here and it knowing like hoping and moving forward and so that's the positive aspect of right. what happens this movie is, is what happens when you give up hope you're like, and, all right, let's just die. And I think that is really driven home by the fact that one thing we didn't talk about is the beginning of this movie, when they get to the grocery store before everything goes sideways, the mist starts rolling in, you have warning sirens, you have Melissa McBride's character. Is, Which is, one's Melissa She's McBride? standing in the store and okay. she goes, I have kids at home. I have to go home. Oh, yeah. I have to. I left them there. I left my four-year-old watching my two-year-old. Like, I can't. Yeah, like, she, she was, like, the mom who just ran out to get milk. So, being like, fuck everything. I'm going to save my kids. I don't care. And she's she walks alive off in, at the end. Well, she walks off into the mist. And then and at the end of the movie, when the truck... You was, see her and her yeah. two kids on the survivor cart. Yeah. So it's... Yeah, she didn't give up hope. Look what happened with her. Yeah. And then everyone in that car did, and look what happened to them. But at the same time, everything, all the evidence they had leading up to that point, they saw... Like, he saw his wife and the mother of his child, you know, not strung up, but, like, netted, you know, the Mm -hmm. way that the bugs did. And he had seen it happen to so many people. I mean... I think the, the movie gives them a high bar to clear, 
to keep hope intact, and they don't and they do, do it. not do it. And so, what do you think ends up happening to him? Is I think he just goes crazy and like lives in an don't. asylum for the rest of his life. Oh, he for sure snaps. Like, how would you ever be normal after that? Yeah. Right. Especially, I mean, killing your own son aside, like you just saw some pretty insane, like prime whatever monsters. Lovecraftian. Lovecraftian monsters. Thank you. That was very like Porky Pig of me, like Lovecraftian. <laughs> but I mean, do, do you see the thing about the hope? Like, yes, that, for sure. I think that's the key to understanding this movie is in the in the Shawshank Redemption. No matter how bad things get, like who is the character? I'm struggling because I haven't watched Shawshank in a while. But remember the character that he Tim Robbins teaches how to read, mm-hmm. and then they kill him. Yeah, his yeah. Just to get back at Tim Robbins. Well, he's the one who can prove that. Yeah. He didn't do it. He didn't kill his wife. Yeah. So they kill him, and it's his whole world collapses, and that's the moment when he has to choose, like between. Do yeah. I keep moving forward or do I give up? And he doesn't give up. These characters do. And, and they I, are punished. And I think that's why it's like two sides of the same coin. Like you got the heads and the that. tails, the positive and the negative. This is the downside of when things go sideways and instead of banding together, like the prisoners all banded together in mm-hmm. Shawshank, right? They all definitely divided. All and... of these characters fucking turn on each other. And, yeah. and immediately, like, we get super super fucking tribal which is real that's what happens in like scenarios is well, people kind, that's you like, take a group of people and then we fracture into smaller groups like I Andre Brower his character thinks that they're fucking with him he's like oh, no 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 this I'm, I'm from out of town I get that but you're not gonna trick me into thinking there's fucking monsters out there and then it gets like racial mm-hmm. because he starts you know they go down the line of he thinks it's because he's a black oh, man oh I'm a black person, and I see what this is. You got a couple of the local town boys, and you don't like me. Yeah, and they're going like, to run me out of town. and it, So. It's a little crazy. It uh, was a very good movie. I think we need to come up with something, because Stephen King movies never follow the Arkov formula um, I at think all. this one, you could apply it. I don't think it's going to follow it, necessarily. You think you can apply it, though? I don't think this is like a lighthouse situation where it was just insanity and well, but if okay, so if we start with so, same as Yarkov was an American film producer, director, and writer of what do we call them exploitation films? Yeah, who came up with an acronym based on his name for how to sell a movie? Uh, A's action. This movie does start off pretty fast because it starts off with the storm that. You know, like everything's kind of being destroyed and blown yeah, apart. Yeah, there are a lot of action sequences in this. It, and well, I mean, it, but it starts off real fast that yeah, way. Like when the bugs get in the oh, building. And, it is gross. You know, you know where, how he came up with the idea for this? Lovecraft. Stephen King. Oh, Stephen King. Who? Sweetheart. How? No, that's what I mean. What did he get it from? Um, like, no, no, no. Lovecraft. No, no, no. I can see what you're saying now. I thought you meant okay. Uh, Stephen King got the idea. He was shopping in a grocery store in Maine, mm-hmm. and he was looking out the window. And from the inside out, and he was like, "What if giant bugs just started smashing into that and try to get in here? What would we do?" And then he built a whole world around that idea. It's so interesting to watch. I have a thing about grocery stores and movies and stuff. I think they're very fascinating because when they first opened, they were all like the front was all glass, right? 
I mean, think of your hometown grocery store. The front was all glass and had those big handmade painted signs of whatever the sales were. And then as like times change, it was like, oh, that's not a good idea. (laughs) People can break in real easy. They can look in and, you know, it's also bulletproof. And so, yeah, I can see that. Like this little old store, uh, how would it survive? Uh, Let's see. Our revolutionary idea Yes, the the idea of like the mist rolling in and bringing these monsters, but the idea of a base screwing up and accidentally unleashing evil is kind of an old thought. There are things, and this movie right? is responsible no, would you for agree? two important like pop culture items after this. Okay, what's because that? I don't think you get the Walking Dead in the same incarnation you ended up getting it without this movie. Because Frank Darabont is the one of the two big producers who created the first season of The Walking Dead, and he cast it with almost every actor from this movie. You yeah, as the original. You cast were pointing that out. Uh, so I think it would be even if they did it, it would be a it would have been wildly different. Well, the interpretations of different actors yeah. for sure. And then there was a a gigantic PC game. I remember when I was a kid, like younger, and it was called Half Life. Did you ever hear of it? Yeah, it was based on this cool like you're in a base and a rift opens up and monsters come out and you have to fight your way to get out of the base is it based on this movie or this book or there's just this idea it's based on the novella okay that's right it's not a book it's a short story but that ending like we talked briefly about it that ending is kind of like it's rough it's a gut punch but it's also so it's such a fucking good ending for this movie it's you know Frank Darabont the scariest thing you can think of Darabont got offered $30 million to make this movie, and he took half that from another company with the promise in his contract that the ending could not be changed. Okay. That he gets kind of first, like, yeah. last cut he sort of half, half of the agreed amount. Like, he went to a different company. They're like, hey, $30 million, and you can make this movie. And he said, I'm going to go with the other company because they're going to give me half that, but I'm going to get it in writing that they can't change the ending at all period no test screenings he's been burnt before like it was just uh k and r cough stands for killing yeah for sure in lots of different ways sometimes the bugs attack and you know you're you're killed that way sometimes you're bitten by a bug and then you're kind of poisoned what was the grossest death in this do you think you think it was the girl that got bit yeah and next will up real hard yeah, that one was pretty gross. Yeah, that was pretty gross. But there's also something to be said for the ones that were, like, up in the cobwebs and kind of... The, the acidic, like, webbing. Oh, yeah, shot. that was pretty gross, uh, too. Mrs. Carmody gets shot in the head mm-hmm. by Toby Jones. And mm-hmm. it is in the moment that makes me so It's so cathartic. Happy. Yes. Because the whole movie, like, from the first time she shows up and starts being a bitch and, like, screaming about God and the devil, I'm... I'm just like, all right. There she is. Someone That's just our evil. needs to put this bitch there down. There are monsters outside, but the bad guy's in here. Um, oh, oratory. Do you remember any big speeches or anything from this? No, but it's not a movie that would have big speeches. I think the dialogue is very realistic, considering. Right. Nobody's uh, going to be doing big monologues when you're in a situation like that. This movie does have something that I think is super real and I buy it every single time. The division of people? Not just that. I mean, because that is very real. I'm talking like actor moment. So when they go in the back and they find the tentacle and shit 
And that, then shit. The, well, before, right before that, Norm, the kid that works Norm. there. Who's wearing a shirt that, um, oh, what is it? He's wearing a WKIT shirt. It's a radio station that Stephen King owns just on out there. That's kind of cool. <laughs> uh, but that scene afterwards when he gets killed, he's the first person that we really see get <sighs> killed by something. It's that tentacle fucks him up. Uh, the two redneck dudes that live in town, right? They were like, okay, fuck yeah. you, Dave Drayton, like, talking to Thomas Jane. His response after it pulls that kid out and And they have the him, proof, like, with the tentacle. Where he's like, I'm sorry, man, I'm sorry. And he's just like, fuck you, and just starts punching him. Yeah. He's like, you killed that. You got that kid killed, you piece of shit. I guess that would count like, as. That is a thing where that is how people react to things. And you never, like... They, they never use that reaction in movies, really. Yeah, it's just, okay. And you know, it's like, oh, it's been to get... Like, he's like, fuck you. you yeah, genuinely upset. Like, fuck you. I told you, and you wouldn't listen to me. Yeah. And then the head redneck dude becomes a massive convert to... <laughs> a born again within two hours. Yeah. Well, it's like a day or two, but... All right, and then we have the two Fs are fantasy and fornication. There's no fornication, really. There's sex, but it's off screen. We know that um, the, the girl that works at the yeah, grocery store who later and dies the soldier, at the bite, and the soldier who is later torn apart. Yeah. Kind of. They fuck it out. Yeah, but off screen. It's implied. Um, and then fantasy, yeah, for sure. This is a fantastical kind See, of an idea in a world. It hit a lot more boxes. Okay, than you thought it was going okay, to. I'll give you that. I think the lighthouse has been the one we watched lately, where it was like this is. Um, not at all doesn't fit this anything is a thing, like yeah. even though it would have hit oratory 100 <laughs> percent. okay would we want as far as watching it again yeah i would watch this again 100%. it's it's hard for me it was hard would you but, let your kids watch it yeah because it is kind of a fantasy it's not about like real life monsters like you know white guys it's about like go monsters this would make a good pairing if you had the emotional fortitude. It would pair well with John Carpenter's A Thing, which is, I think, why the poster is in the beginning of the movie. Because, because they kind of match up this together. Is, it's, not like a, it's not a direct descendant, but this is kind of... In the same... In the same family tree mm-hmm. as John Carpenter's The Thing, which is Mount Rushmore horror for me. Like It is one of your favorites. Yeah, it's... One of my five favorite movies of all time. Do we have anything noteworthy or mentionable that we haven't already talked about? We hit the t-shirt, the picture at the beginning, the portraits. There's a couple things. Okay, what we got? So, I just want to throw out there that Darabont shot this with the crew from the show The Shield. Remember the cop show The Shield? Oh, that was yeah. That was that's the, for some reason, a, my mind, like I went yeah. to a medieval shield, not an, the, mil- the they, police. They had an A and a B unit, and they shot it quickly like a television show like they just would shoot things out super fast mm-hmm. well because it's just uh, like one set and a lot of green thing, screen all of the books in the bookstore okay or stephen king books that were on the rack nice there's a lot of king gods in this well so he's got uh it's easy to do i'll, I'll say that it's easy movie, to put a lot of little nods to him and things this movie scared stephen king but it also fooled him because he asked airborn he's like where did you, where in Maine did you film this? And Darabont was like laughing and said, huh, Louisiana, actually. Oh, yeah. So it was shot in Louisiana. They just did a really good job of choosing places. You're in Maine. Yeah. Because 
Nope, it was shot in Louisiana. Nice. Uh, Mrs. Carmody says when the big bug lands on her, like mm-hmm. the big, uh, what is it? Um, whatever it was, it, di- it did, doesn't bite her for whatever reason. Like she's standing perfectly yeah. still. But and she, that's her way of saying that God chose her. She <laughs> says, my life for you. Right. Which is a repeated thing in Stephen King novels that Randall Flagg says. And Randall Flagg is basically the version of the devil in uh, all Stephen King's books. Like okay. He's the villain from The Stand. He's the main bad guy from the Dark Tower books. He's Randall Flagg. And okay. he's often in books said, my life for you. So it draws to where I don't necessarily think that they were trying to say that maybe Mrs. Carmody was a extension. But it's, a, it's but kind of a nod to that. It's saying like, this bitch is the real villain of this movie. Mm-hmm. If you are into Stephen King, you know that. In case you fact. missed the point, this so, tells you. Uh, this movie was shot in 37 days. Wow. And Andre Brower had to convince two people to do two very important things. Who? So. Who and what? Marsha Gay Harden did not want to do this movie. She didn't want to be the religious nut job? Nope. She didn't Don't want blame to be, her. She wanted to be in a, a monster movie. Mm-hmm. She, she thought monster movies were stupid. And Andre Brower was like, don't think of it as a monster movie. Think of it as it's an interesting character piece where you get to play the villain. Mm-hmm. And that's how she played it. Yeah. Just, I'm in my own little world. I'm playing the villain. This is all about character. It has nothing to do with monsters. And then, Which is kind of how that woman was as well. Like, it's these aren't monsters. This is what God wanted. And, and then the other thing, he had to convince Frank Darabont had written in the script the scene at the beginning where you see the scientist messing with a portal and it opens. No, we don't see that and at all. And he was like, do we need that? No. I think that it just... The characters yeah, would have cut a frame that. of reference. Yeah. And then Darabont said after the fact, he was like, when he told me that, I thought, that's awesome. And he agreed. And he was like, because what I would have done is spent a shitload of money shooting that and then saw it and been like, this doesn't belong in the movie. Right. And waste that budget. And I wasted a shitload of money on a deleted scene now. So. That's good. That was beyond being amazing. And the whole, most of the stuff like the racial tension undertone stuff that he yeah. has in that scene where he's like talking to him. He's like, this is because I'm black, right? Right. He did that on the spot and didn't tell them he was going to do it. It wasn't in the script. It was just kind of brought in because he Cause it's a natural progression up the tension. Yeah. And he said it was palpable where you could tell all the, the other people in the scene were like, uh, uh I don't comfortable. So yeah, it worked and it worked really well. Yeah, for sure, it was definitely a natural. Who do, who do you think the the scene stealer of this movie is? Like, who if you were gonna give a nod to someone being like, hey, they stole this movie. They're like the high point of the movie. What do you think it would the be? The old lady, um, the librarian, right? Is that what she with the librarian from the school? Or mm-hmm. yeah, she definitely, I think, uh, stole the show. What about for you? Uh, well, I mean, I don't want to just jump on the Thomas Jane is amazing bandwagon. Do you think it's Thomas Jane? This is the best. I think this is the best movie he's ever been in. I think he is fucking in, well, second best movie he's ever been. He's in Boogie Nights. <laughs> Let's not discredit he's Boogie Nights, sir. So fucking good in this movie. And I th- but I think underappreciated. I think Marsha Gay Harden is really good in this movie. Ugh. Really good. She's so good at making you hate her. I think Andrea Brower is really good, but if I had to pick someone that is underappreciated, Toby Jones is 
That's so good guy. in this movie, and no one ever acknowledges how good of an actor he is. I feel like I don't know who he okay, was. Who he the play? assistant manager, the guy who okay, the one who the sharpshooter. Whenever people were like, uh, "I got a gun," like, "What? Who can use a gun or whatever?" Who's and the, uh, he's like, "I was national, I was state champion." Yeah, him, and he's the one that eventually shoots Mrs. Carmody, which gets him mad God. fucking bonus points. Yep, bonus points for being the winner. So, did we like this movie? Did you uh, like it? I liked it, yes. It was, like I said, it was hard just as a parent, but I guess that speaks to the quality of the movie is that it came across. You know what I mean? Like that that horrific Sophie's Choice feeling comes across. Yeah. Could you? Could you? I won't answer that question. My God. No. It, That's Nick, not with your kids. No. With me. With me. If it were me. No. And I was, like, wounded, and it was either a certain death, a certain painful death, or you had to put me down. Like, could you do it? So on next week's episode, what are we watching? (laughs) What you didn't hear was she nodded her head yes. I did not. This is is an audio podcast. There's no visuals involved. Then she mouthed the words, I'd kill my whole family. I did not, maybe. 100%. What are we watching next week? We're continuing with the Father's Day month. Yep. Father's month. It would be the third week, and I lied. I lied last week when I said this week would be Stepfather 2. So next week, I promise a Stepfather 2. Okay. Promise. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I've been told that before. Yep. Stepfather 2. Nice. All right. Well, until then. I'm Josh. And I'm Cindy. And I'm still his girlfriend. Uh.